I think one way that you know is that you discover it over time. And I think the best approach to figuring out whether your child is ready for that responsibility and the risks and benefits that come with that responsibility is to allow your children access to technology um, slowly over time. This is the Growing Up With Tech Show. I'm your host, Lowell Brown, and each week we discuss topics related to the impact of technology on our kids as they grow up. When it comes to technology, there are so many ways it's a part of our everyday lives. From cybersecurity and social media to tech products and educational tools, our kids can experience, learn, and become creative with. We cover all that and more on the Growing Up With Tech Show. So let's get started with this episode and a conversation I had with Carrie Gallagher about cell phones and kids. There are lots of great tips we uncover in this episode, and you'll want to listen right to the end to find out when to give your child a phone and how to guide them with this new responsibility. So let's get started. On this episode of Growing Up With Tech, I'm very excited to bring another guest on, and I've got with me Carrie Gallagher. And Carrie, why don't you why don't you just jump right in and introduce yourself, um, and and then we'll get into the discussion. Sure, sure. Thanks for having me, Lowell. I'm really excited to talk about this because this is a question I get all the time from um, my friends who have children my age, um, not my age, my children's age, and um, and teachers, and then the parents of the students that I serve in my role. So. Um, as a hint to my intro, um, obviously it sounds like I work at a school. So I serve as the assistant principal for teaching and learning at a school in Danvers, Massachusetts called St. John's Prep. We have grades six through 12 here on campus, we serve 1500 students um, and they're all boys. Um, and so, um, so that's really rewarding and great work. And all of the administrators at my school, we all teach. And so I teach a 10th grade class, but the past couple of years I've taught eighth grade classes. So I really, um, enjoy working with middle school and high school in particular professionally. Um, in addition, I serve as the education director for an internet safety nonprofit called connect safely. That's, um, based out of Palo Alto, California. And what we do is produce materials and programming that's specifically targeted to parents and teachers um, so that they can feel more empowered to talk to the children that they serve, either in their homes or in the classroom, about the technology that their kids are using and feeling really good about. So if you'd like to know a little bit more about Snapchat or TikTok or um, you know Roblox or any of the games or tools that your children are using and are excited about so that you feel like you can talk to them about it, um, then check out connectsafely.org. We have great resources there. Um, and I'll share a little bit more about Connect Safely as, as we talk, uh, Lowell. But additionally, I wanted to share that I'm also the mom of two girls. So while I work with boys all day, I have girls at home. They're ages nine and 12. And so I'm very much in the thick of this conversation that we're about to have about phones. Right. Awesome. So that leads perfectly into cell phones and technology and and all of that both at home and how the kids use it and that kind of thing and that's really what we wanted to talk about today and and just like you i've you know i've i the background of of this was that recently in about a year ago um i gave my older son a phone to start using 
And in my personal experience, it wasn't a question of, you know, is it the right time or when he was ready, he was asking, he was begging for it. Um, and mostly because his friends already had it. But I know with some families, the, you know, that's the issue is, you know, it may be that the kids are asking for it. It may be that there's safety reasons why they want to have it. Um, but what I find a lot of times is that there's a side of the technology that parents haven't considered. And I know you deal with that a lot. And that really comes down to um, both sides of the coin with this, of not only the parents being aware of the technology and what kids can do with it, but also setting boundaries, setting rules and guidelines. And there is the responsibility side. So let's jump right into that. And I know the big question you always get is, how do I know when my kid is ready to have a cell phone? Right, right. I think um, that that is a great question. And actually, that's a better phrase question than the question that I actually get most often, which is what's the right age? Because everybody wants a magical, precise, exact answer. Like on this birthday, I can give my child a cell phone and I am doing parenting right. And I wish that that's how easy parenting was, but it's just not. Um I think one way that you know is that you discover it over time. And I think the best approach to figuring out whether your child is ready for that responsibility and the risks and benefits that come with that responsibility is, is to allow your children access to technology um, slowly over time. So you don't, the first device that you gift to your child should not be their smartphone. Um, it should be something that is specifically designed for children so that you are starting to help them develop their habits with screens and audio and video and interactive programming from a young age including, um, you know, which types of media they like to interact with when they're using those devices. So allowing them to choose the, the media in particular that's healthier for them, that's going to benefit them, um, helping them understand how much time they should be spending on it or when is the right time to be spending on it. Like, should you be spending time on your device when you are visiting a friend at their house um, versus should you be spending on a time on a device when you get home from school and you've worked all day and you need a little downtime versus should you be spending time on your device, you know, just before it's about to be bedtime? Um, should you be spending time on your device in the morning when you're getting ready for school, right? So these are all discussions that you want to have in the years, not the days, the years leading up to when you decide to, to gift your child that smartphone. Um, so you know they're ready when, as a result of all those conversations, they can tell you all of these things without you prompting them right. or reminding them. Now, you brought up a good point in terms of giving kids access to devices um, at an earlier age. In my case, being a, a, a techie kind of guy, I was, <laughs> I was kind of introducing it to my kids fairly young, but it was more of like teaching them about things, not necessarily them having their own devices. Mm. Um, a lot of, I, I think a lot of parents are wondering, you know, what age or how is it, it best to kind of introduce this stuff? Um, and also what devices are appropriate, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. I would say that 
when your children and my children were like toddlers and, you know, preschoolers, there weren't a lot of devices then that were designed for children specifically targeted at that age, but there are now. And that's wonderful, right? So rather than looking at that as the tech industry invading our children's childhood, let's look at that as an, in, as an opportunity for us to teach them about technology using tools that that are designed for them with the content that's appropriate for them, with the functionality that's appropriate for them, um, and also safe for them, that the parameters and what that technology can do is designed so that they are not going to be connected with adult strangers online, for instance, using those devices. So um, do you want me to mention specific devices? Like brands? You can jump into it, sure. I would say that um, Amazon specifically designs a Kindle Fire tablet that's designed for kids. Um, it, it really is just a regular Kindle Fire tablet, but it has its own operating system on it that is different than the adult version. And um, they they sell it in this really awesome foam case that you could literally like chuck across your room, the room and nothing would happen to it. And you use the Amazon Parent Dashboard to um, set up that device for your child based on their age and their sort of rolling ages in terms of the content that they can access. You can also set up the limits to how long they can spend, you know, reading books or watching videos, or you can set up goals for how long they spend like listening to audiobooks. So it could be either way and you can decide. And then what, what I loved about that platform when my children were younger was that I could go in and I still do um, and I can see exactly which videos they watched, um, uh, what kinds of games they're playing, which books they're listening to. And it gives me little discussion prompts, like questions I can ask my child about what they're, what they're seeing and what's happening and how it makes them feel and whether it connects to something that they've experienced. And it led to some great conversations, but I could feel secure that because I punched in their age accurately, they were only accessing content that had been kind of pre-approved for their age group. Um, And so that was, that was a great tool. And then, you know, when I'm pulling out my iPad or other devices so that I can get a little work done at home, they can pull out their tablet and they feel like, you know, a little grown up, right? Right. Exactly. I have my own tablet that's mine. Um, And so that was, that was really great. The other tool that I really liked when they were littler is um, if you, if you're a smartwatch or a wearable family, I really liked the gizmo um, gadget watch. And that's, I, you use an app on your smartphone to do very similar management. You can track their location. So if they wear it and, you know, they're going to be on a field trip for school one day, or, um, you know, they're going to be with other adults for a weekend, let's say, or getting a weekend away or something like that. You can actually check in on them and, and check their location as they're wearing their watch. It tracks their steps, which is really fun for little kids. Um, they like to track their steps and, um, it gives them little, like, um, they can take breaks and do little jumping exercises and stuff like cool. that. So that's really fun, but it's also a watch and you can call them and do a voice call on it. Um, and they can send, um, either voice texts or little emoji messages back and forth to a very secure contact list that you choose. And only you add their contacts into, um, the app on your phone. So that was great because I could empower my children to text like my sister, their aunt directly without having to go through me right. or, you know, their grandmother without having to go through me so that they yeah. felt like they had some ability to build their own relationships with the people who I'd pre-approved. So that's another one that I really loved. Okay. And then I'll give you one more. Um, the last one is we're a big um, uh, smart speaker family. We have lots of different forms of smart speakers in my home. 
Um, but in particular, Amazon makes um, a dot, the Echo Dot, mm-hmm. um, that's designed specifically for children. It comes in really fun prints and designs. The speaker quality is just as good as your dot. And um, similarly, using Amazon's parent dashboard, you can load up the apps and types of programming that um, that's available. My, um, my children still use their children's dots, even though they're not as little anymore. Um, like I said, they're kind of in adolescence where at like nine and 13, um, rather than, you know, younger, younger, but they do it to check the weather in the morning before they get dressed for school, which I think is super helpful. They set alarms for themselves. Um, and one of my daughters really likes to fall asleep listening to bedtime stories. Um, and so, so that works, that works for them. So those are three examples that have worked really well for my family. Very cool. Yeah. My kids have fun with, I have two echo dots in the house and my younger son plays a trivia music trivia game occasionally, but they also figured out that they can say, add this to my shopping list. And it creates this list of things. And every once in a while, when they have their friends over, they play it back and they have good laughs over what they've (laughs) said is added to the list. So it's very kids and technology is a lot of fun, right? Yeah, I've heard um, lots of stories from families about farting noises with Echo Dot. (laughs) Haven't gone there yet, but... (laughs) No, mine haven't either, but I'm not telling them about it either. (laughs) All right, so let's get back to the cell phone stuff. Now, when when you're thinking of giving your child a cell phone, Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the other ways that parents can prepare their child um, for having the responsibility of a phone. Now, I know a lot of people are worried about, hey, a, an iPhone, which is really popular and kids are competing with other kids and they're really expensive. The first devices, like you said, I didn't give my kids, um, they got the hand-me-downs, right? Yeah. Um, initially. And I'm sure one of the factors is the price of the device, you know, and that's that's a big thing for parents to want to pawn off on or, or give to the the kids and wonder if the kids are going to, you know, drop it and break it or or have it get stolen, that kind of thing. But along with that, there's other, you know, concerns that parents might have in terms of now they have their own device, they're out and about and doing things. So we don't know what pictures they're taking, what sites they might be browsing, who else they're chatting with, what apps they're using, that kind of thing. Have you um, come across things with parents um, and what kind of tips or pointers or advice would you would you offer? Yeah, great question. So one of the ways that you can make sure that you're preparing your kids for the responsibilities that you mentioned, first of all, with the dropping, breaking, losing, is that those devices that are designed for children, if they're losing them or not charging them or, you know, not and you're finding them misplaced um, or you know they forget their passcode to get into it, which if you use the ones that are designed for kids, you can reboot their passcode anyway. So there isn't a, a danger there. But those are all great examples of opportunities for you to say, so you know, before you get a smartphone, you're gonna have to show me that you're not gonna lose it, that you're gonna remember to charge it without me reminding you, that you're gonna remember your passcode without having to ask me. Like th- that, those are some of the signs that I'm looking for to prove that you're ready. So that those are those are some of the ways that I've worked with my children, like my nine-year-old does not have a smartphone yet because she has not mastered those three things that we just talked about. So whenever she forgets it, she's like, I know, I know, I know. Right. And I'm like, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect yet. Just know that those are the signs that I'm looking for. Right. And it doesn't mean you're bad. It doesn't mean, it just means you're not ready. And, but I'll be here when you are right. And, And the phone will be too. 
Um, so that that's one way. Obviously, when you get your child the smartphone, buy the insurance, right? <laughs> buy an effective case, buy an effective screen protector, um, and create strategies with them for how they're going to keep track of it. So for instance, I always put my phone in the same pocket in my jacket, and it's always in the same pocket in my backpack when I go to work or in the same pocket of my purse when I'm not at work. And like, talk to your child about how you have developed those own system, those systems in your own life and help them develop systems for themselves. Like we always hang the car keys in a certain space when we walk in the door, whenever we always charge our phones in the same place every night, right? So how are you going to remember to do that? My older daughter has developed the strategy completely on her own of she sets an alarm um, on her phone because her phone is kind of always with her that goes off at 830 at night because by then she's usually done her homework and that reminds her to plug in her Chromebook. So it's charged for school the next day. So that's like, that's a system and that works really well for her. So that would be um, another strategy to make sure that they're taking care of it responsibly. Um, And then at first you want to kind of supervise and make sure they're following the strategy without hounding them. So how can you check it without being the one who's like, you know, did you do it two seconds before the alarm goes off, right? Let the alarm go off, let them have the time to either do or not do the thing and make their own mistakes. Um, and if they do make the mistake and it's not charged and it's dead, let them live with a dead phone and know what that feels like. That's mm-hmm. okay. Right. We've all done it to ourselves. It's yeah. okay to let our children do it sometimes too. Um, so that's in terms of like the physical responsibility. Those are my tips. The other question you mentioned was like, interacting with strangers, right? Um, which is a fear that parents have, but also the the social drama and dynamics of like the group text is something that I thought of as you were saying that. So those are things that don't really take a lot of tech training to talk to our kids about. There's already social drama before they get their phones. So coaching them through managing those conversations, like, you know, I thought that, you know, Molly was my friend and then, you know, she said this to me at school and I'm really upset, you know? So first of all, acknowledge their feelings. That sounds like that was really hard for you today. And you're having a lot of big feelings about it. Yeah. Like, tell me about what that feels like in your body. So acknowledging those feelings first and then saying, you know, in the moment, what did you say? Or, okay. You know, now when you're going to see her again, what do you think you'll say or do? Like, how are you going to move forward from this is, is this a sign that Molly is somebody who you still want to be your friend? Is this just a bump in the road? Or is this a sign that you're actually questioning whether that relationship is one you want to, you know, hold on to processing all of that, that those relationships are really important because what happens in group texts is about relationships. So it's important that we understand that the tech is not the enemy. It's adolescent drama. It's just a part, like we all did it. They're doing it. They may be doing it on a different platform, but but it isn't the tech that's instigating the drama. It's the the age group right. and they need parenting in that world. Just like, just like we did. Right. Yeah. I would, um, that's a, that's a really good point. I think the, you know, the, the, the drama that happens, the conversations that happen, they are very much, you know, pretty much, you know, life doesn't change that much in terms of that, but the fact that it is maybe on text or maybe via um, a group chat as opposed to a private conversation or when you're meeting like those foundational things have 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 changed and thrown curveballs but yeah it is it's basically the same thing and and that's a great point um what about you know 
when people are out at school, when the kids are at school and their devices, and um, I, I know that you mentioned in, in a previous conversation we had about, you know, maybe there's rules schools have, maybe there are rules that the parents might have for how they communicate during the day with their kids. So let's jump into that. What, what do you say in terms of, you know, let's say kids, um, and in some cases I've heard of, you know, well, teachers might take away the devices and parents get upset about that, um, or, you know, do the kids ha- use it during the day or are they just using it for, you know, confirming they've left the house in the morning and they've come home and they're home safe. So do you, do you find a lot of questions about things like that? I can say as a result of the the pandemic, like my children were left alone a lot more than they had been before because my husband and I have both, neither of us worked it from home at all during the pandemic. We both had to go to physically to work while my children were expected to learn from home. So um, as a result, that communication was really important to me that I was able to hear from them during the day when I know for many of the days, there was no adult supervising them just out of necessity. Um, and I know a lot of other families were in that position. Um, and I'm grateful that as parents, we're, we're being so much gentle, so much gentler on each other for leaving our children alone than we were pre-pandemic too. That's that's really a, kind of a nice thing that's happened. Um, I, I would say that as, as a, somebody who's worked in schools for 20 years as an educator, parents are welcome to call the schools if there's something really important that you need to talk to your child about. But um, parents really shouldn't be texting or contacting their children using their phones during the school day at all, really under any circumstances. The nature of sending your child to school is the idea that you are prioritizing their education and that you're trusting the professionals who have been trained and licensed and are passionate and care deeply for the children that they serve. And that it's only six hours of their day, five days a week for 10 months of the year, that we're, that we're dedicating to this, the rest of their time is yours, right? And, and you can communicate with them as much as you'd like, but during the school day, if parents really feel like they need to contact their children, it's, it's important that they call the school and do it that way. Because the other thing is that if it's really important emergency information, the schools have strategies for how to and where to share that information with children. They have counselors on staff. They have adults who are accustomed to helping children mourn deaths in the family, who are accustomed to helping children, you know, handle really tough stuff um, while being able to engage with their academics. So my advice would be, if you have those concerns, communicate with the school, ask them about their systems. They'll tell you it's not a secret. Schools are pretty transparent about the policies that they use because they have to be legally. Um, and that will also reinforce for the child that there are limits to when the use of any device is appropriate. Um, you know, Lowell, while we're talking, like I have my phone here and I have other devices up and I'm sure you do too, because we're both very techy but I'm not using them. I'm not checking them because right. I've been a, become accustomed to when it's appropriate and when it's not. And that's, that's a skill that they don't just know they have to be taught and we have to model it with, you know, our behaviors too. How do you feel about, um, teachers bringing technology into the classroom more and more. Now we've got, you know, some kids using tablets, some kids using Chromebooks, but I know at times that kids may be, let's say using their, their, their phone or their device for research when it's in school and in, in class or, you know, math or something like that, they need a calculator. 
Um, do you think it's always, is it, is it generally up to the teacher? Is it something where the school should dictate? Like, what do you think about that? Cause I know there's a lot of crossover and, and e even equality of not every kid has a phone to use where another kid might. So how does that play into the fact there of, yeah, of all that? I think one of the really great bet, like positive outcomes of the pandemic is that many schools, at least in the United States, figured out how to go one-to-one -one with devices and put a device in the hand of every child. And they haven't taken them back. They've kept them um, in the hands of the children. So um, every child has access to a device that is monitored and managed by the school. And so the children shouldn't need their own devices to access the curriculum. The school should be providing um, all of the resources that children need. So for a calculator, like the school should be providing the calculator, right. um, for the books, the school should be providing the books or providing access to the online resource. Cause I know at least at my school, you know, maybe only 20% of our class, our courses, um, actually uses physical books anymore. A lot of our resources are digital because they're just Easy. so much more powerful and interact. They're just better, yeah. right? It, there's more to it. Um, there's still plenty of reading happening, I promise, <laughs> and writing. So um, so I would say I, I think we're kind of past the point with schools where it's acceptable for them to expect children to bring their own devices in order to access their learning. I think when we were, you know, 15 years ago, when I, when I kind of first went paperless in my classroom, um, and that was kind of just the beginning of introducing that, that kind of use of technology in classrooms. I did have my students use their own phones. Um, plus I supplemented with, I had like 10 um, tablets. So for the kids who didn't have phones, but it's just, it's just, it's no longer acceptable. I think schools need to be providing students or at least, you know, if, if it's a private school, making it clear that it's an expectation that every child has brought with him or her. A, a certain device that meets the school's parameters. Cause I know in, in private schools, people buy books versus in public schools, books are provided by the school. So, um, so that's my perspective. I think it's, it's kind of a social justice issue. Every child should be able to access their education. They shouldn't have mm -hmm. to bring something um, with them. And if they can't, if their family can't afford it, they don't have access to the same quality. It's just, it's just not okay anymore. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and, and with communication with parents, um, or, or even other friends and things like that, um, have, uh, what do you think of the, you know, in terms of all the group chats and things like that happen, the social side now, it is oftentimes difficult where, you know, especially when we get into those older ages, when you get into, let's say grade seven, eight and, and above where kids are becoming much more social in, in group settings. Um, what kind of conversations should parents have with their kids about how they are holding those conversations and the privacy of, because a lot of this stuff is, you know, on a phone where if it's, if it's a screen, people can capture pictures or people can snapshot text messages that may or may not be private and things like that. Um, what do you, think about in terms of those situations? Yeah. So there are going to be times where your, your child makes a mistake um, or gets embarrassed or somebody says something mean in a group chat and are really not realizing that your child is in the group chat um, or they say something mean by mistake because all of our children slip up. Um, 
and they realize that they offended someone unintentionally. Um, I think processing those mistakes that either they make or that they see their friends make with them are really important. When you do choose to give your child a smartphone, making it clear that, you know, this is not something, you know, while, while my phone is a deeply personal space, right? It is personal, but as like someone who's still an adolescent, like I, and as your parent, I am still very much involved in what's personal for you, right? So yes, of course you can have some privacy as long as you're open to talking about things when they get tough with me, right? Um, do I need to know about every conversation you have with every friend? Absolutely not, please. Like, I don't have time for that. You don't have time for that. That is, that is not, I'm not talking about a lack of privacy. I'm talking about when things get hard, let's process it together. Cause that's not the last time things are going to get hard and let's make sure you know how to navigate it because guess what? Adults exclude each other too. Right. Yeah. And there's tense converse, conversations among friendships in adulthood. So if you're not working through it and learning it now, like it isn't going to go away. Um, and one thing that I've done with my own children is I, when tough stuff has come up like that and I've felt excluded or something like that, I've shared with them, like, look, this, look at, look at what this thing happened that I just found out people did. And I wasn't invited. And like, it kind of stinks. It hurts my feelings a little bit. Like I'm trying yeah. to understand their perspective and why they didn't invite me. And I think like intellectually I get it, but emotionally it still hurts. I think that's the other thing is being open with your children that like we experience this, they experience this. This isn't just like, oh, wait till middle school's over. Life gets so much easier. Guess what? It kind of doesn't. It. <laughs> it's just that you learn how to manage, how to strategically manage you know, your conversations with people. Maybe you're willing to speak up and say, I feel excluded. Um, and, and deal with, and deal with it maybe in, maybe in a more adult manner, but maybe not. I mean, everybody has tough stuff. Um, I think that's, that's the healthiest approach, um, is not trying to fix it. That's the key. Don't try to fix it for them. Instead, acknowledge that it's hard. Um, ask them if they want your advice, cause they might not. And that's okay too. And, um, let them know that if they don't take your advice, like that's okay. They can still make their own choices. And then don't get involved again, unless they want, like, say, do you want me to get involved? Like, do you want me to say something? And if they say, yeah, then great. If they say no, then great. They're feeling confident right. enough to move forward on their own. Right. Um, and just keep the, keep the conversation open with your child's um, teachers too, because they're witnessing the other side of these social interactions. And so they may have some insights that are helpful for you. doesn't mean you want to turn around and tell your child's teacher about every little incident of drama. You don't want to do that. The teachers don't have time for that. Just like you don't, but when, if there's big stuff happening, it's important to let the teachers know so they can help you keep an eye on things too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this has been a great episode. I think it's been very helpful for all of our uh, listeners. If, if we could leave a couple tips for parents, um, what do you think you would, you would say? I would say that every child is an individual. So um, while it's good for families to have family agreements or family rules, um, when it comes down to actually what we talked about at the beginning, giving the device, 
you have to like work at that for years with each child as they get older and knowing the right time for one child doesn't mean knowing the right time for another. And Lowell, you and I have talked a lot about this. Um, so really make sure that you're clear with your children, that it's, it's up to them to demonstrate that they're ready rather than up to you to, um, you know, you know, give it the okay. Right. It's, it's sort of like, it's, it's a teacher mentality too. You earn your grades. I don't give you your grades, right. You earn, you will earn your way toward the device. It's not like I'm holding it hostage from you. Right. Of course you will get one. Everyone gets one. I acknowledge that that's an inevitability, but you have to demonstrate when you're ready. So that would be my first tip. And my second tip is, um, is what we were kind of hinting at during the second half as we were talking about the, the, um, the communication about technology between school and home, just be open with teachers. If you have questions, ask the questions. The teachers are very willing to talk to you. Don't wait till parent-teacher conferences to ask your questions. Shoot an email to the teachers anytime you'd like. Um, the more positive conversations you have with teachers, the better your relationship will be with them. So it's bet you're better off being open from the beginning of the year um, introduce yourself, kind of share where your child is at and where you're hoping you're, they'll move through this year. And that way the teacher kind of knows that they have a partnership, um, with you and that that's really helpful. That's a great tip. Great tip. Well, I wanted to thank you again for coming on this episode. And I know that you've got a lot on the go, not only as, as a parent, but as an educator and also your involvement with connect safely. Um, tell us a little bit about other things that you have coming up that would be helpful for other parents. Absolutely. So right now I am in the midst of a five part um, series with Massachusetts ASCD. ASCD is the National Nonprofit School Leadership Organization. Um, and I'm, I have the privilege of serving on the board for the, for the Massachusetts um, uh, division of ASCD. And so I'm offering a five part series on digital wellness. Um, so we hinted at some of the things that digital wellness touches, but I invite folks to hop to mascd.org um, and click on our blog to see the first part has been published um, and there are more coming. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll include so the links in the show notes as well for everybody to get access to. Great, what, el- great. what else do you have coming up? Sure, sure. So for Connect Safely, um, we're also co-publishing that series. So if you go to connectsafely.org, you can see the series there too. Um, But Connect Safely is also the U.S. host of Safer Internet Day, which is um, hosted in February, um, on a Tuesday in February every year. Um, Last year during the pandemic, we published uh, lesson plans that teachers could roll out in their schools. And this year, we're looking forward to hosting... um, both lesson plans that teachers can execute themselves, but also um, a live event that people can tune into on the day. Um, So check out saferinternetday.us to see last year's um, uh, resources and also to see a little bit of a preview of what we're putting together for uh, February of 2022. Awesome, awesome. And I know from from browsing, and, and that's partly how I found you, is Connect Safely is just filled with tons and tons and tons of resources that are great, not only for for parents, but even um, there's some that are for kids that that they can, you know, just learn things on. So um, I definitely recommend checking that out. And and again, I wanted to thank you for your time today. And uh, hopefully we can have you back on in the future. 
Yeah, thank you for having me. Check me out at um, kerryhawk02 on Twitter too. Okay, I'd awesome. Any other there. any other accounts people should check out or is Twitter the, the main one? Um, I'm kerryhawk02 on all of them. So okay. if you, your favorite platform, just type that in. Okay, awesome. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. All right, thanks, Lowell. Have a okay. great weekend. Happy Halloween. You do too. Do you do Halloween in Canada? We do Halloween. Yes, all we right, do. Good. <laughs> good, good. All right, well, okay. enjoy. So that wraps up another episode of the Growing Up With Tech Show. I'm really excited to share a teaser about an upcoming episode I just recorded. It's all about money management, financial literacy for kids. And I interview the co-founder of an app that basically helps parents guide their kids through money management and learning how to both save, spend, and earn money. It's awesome. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. It's going to come out very, very soon. As always, I'd love your help sharing this podcast with other parents. Sharing a review and rating on Apple Podcasts greatly helps us reach more people. I also invite you to connect with me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Growing Up With Tech. And if you have any feedback or ideas for the show, I would love for you to send me an email to mail at growingupwithtech.show. So with that, we'll wrap this up and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Have a great day.